This is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at LeBanc St. Sampson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. A really warm welcome. It's great to, to be here, to see you all, and uh, of course this beautiful island. And I've had a few days of just being absolutely spoilt rotten. Um, by Joey and uh, just been seeing various places around the island. It's really, really beautiful. Um, I've been in Romania six years now and um, I have to say that before that I grew up in the church and um, have to confess that I didn't really feel a huge heart for missions. It wasn't something that massively interested me and uh, I did confess to Pastor John the other day that actually at Bible college the only exam I failed was mission. Um, But... um, it was amazing how God um, has changed my heart on that over the years, and uh, I felt quite strongly I needed to go out to Romania. So I went out and I uh, thought, oh, I'll just stay for one year, and uh, went out there and did a few bits and pieces, got to know the language and a few people a little bit, and just fell in love with the place. And I knew that I needed to stay. So I made a bargain with God that I'd stay until the money ran out, and I'm still there six years later. Um, <clears throat> Uh, the first couple of years were great. It was really lovely um, to get to know people. Um, I'm involved in three different projects, really, I suppose. One is um, Sunshine in the Villages, and we do various different projects, kind of social action projects, but mixed in with sharing the gospel. We work with some widows who need uh, financial help. Very often they, they receive for their pensions something like 600 lay a month, which is maybe... Uh, uh, 150 pounds or something like that and out of that they might have to pay 300 lay so half of that for medicines Um, the gas bill in the winter is often about 300 lay so you can imagine that it's very very difficult for them so we give financial help and visit them and just spend some time with them we're involved in an orphanage with children with disabilities Um, And the orphanage often, um, although they should get help from the state, they often ask us if we've got bedding or curtains. Um, The guy who runs uh, the the association is Romanian and he's a constructor, so he quite often goes and helps them with piping and decorating and various different things. But the main thing that I'm involved in with that is the children's groups. And we go every weekend and we do seven different groups, one after the other, and we travel quite a long way. And some of them are quite up in the mountains and remote villages. And the families there often struggle. They work the land, but often they don't have other jobs. And so it's very hard for them. It's hard for the children to get into the town, to go to school. If they don't have money for the school bus, then they just don't go to school. Um, and they don't have shoes and clothes and one of the things we've been able to do for them is to do that and we got involved um, in the group so I play the guitar, we sing songs, we do Bible lessons, crafts, games, sports, all that kind of thing and um, it's great to to get to know the kids and we have kids of all ages from absolutely tiny till sort of into their 20s and um, it's, it's been great to do that. I also got involved in a local church, a Romanian Baptist church Um, and uh, it's quite different from most Romanian churches. Most Romanian churches are quite legalistic. Um, You know, as as women, you're not allowed to stand up at the front of church. You have to wear a skirt and a headscarf, and they're they're quite strict, and my church is a little bit different from that, and uh, it was great to get involved in that and get involved in the worship team and to be a church that's a little bit different in the town, and there's a lot of young people there, so I got involved um, mentoring some of the young people there. And then um, I managed to rent an apartment out there and I have um, sort of the third project, I suppose, is my own sort of thing. And I have two Romanian girls who live with me, one who needed somewhere to stay. She's very much involved in the the ministry we do in the villages, but she was staying in a room with her two brothers and her brother's girlfriend and, um, and her parents were in the other room and that was all they had. So she spent a lot of time at my house and eventually I said, well, why don't you live with me? And uh, the other girl is a girl who grew up in an orphanage and she needed somewhere to stay because she didn't have anywhere to stay. And she'd begun to work with us in the village groups and um, she came to live with me and I had no idea that she would have no idea really about life. So looking after money, cooking, anything like that, she didn't really know anything and she was in uh, quite a manipulative relationship with a, with a boy and um, it's been great to see over the years how God's kind of changed her and worked in her. And really that's what I want to say to you this morning. It's not so much what I do. I think the first couple of years I sort of did things in Romania 
And then I kind of felt like I got to a point where I didn't really know what I was doing anymore. I felt like um, things went, went sort of quite hard in a sense. But I felt like, well, we could go and we help these families and we give food out where we can. But the next week, they're still hungry. And we were doing children's groups, and some of the older ones were falling away, as they do, as they get older. Some of them got disappointed. There were personal relationships in my own life who disappointed me, who let me down. And it got really difficult. And we were living in a really small apartment that was full of mold, and we prayed and prayed and prayed that God would provide somewhere else. And it just felt like nothing was moving and things in my church were quite hard. It was quite hard knowing how to move things forward. And God, you know, it was just, it was there, but it was hard to see. And I felt God take me into a time where he really taught me about how to pray, how to just simply get before him and to pray and to intercede for those people. And somebody said to me, being a missionary isn't about what you do but simply getting alongside people who are hurting. And actually, I realized that the people who were hurting me and the children in the, in the groups who were difficult were really, really hurting. And God showed me his heart for those people. And I began to pray very specifically into those situations. And what I want to leave you with this morning is not um, the projects that, that I'm involved in out there, but how amazing God is in the things that he's been doing out there. And I've seen, like with Alina, the girl who lives with me, I've seen her grow into an amazing young woman of God. And she just led the children's camp uh, a couple of weeks ago. And she's now leading the children's groups. And she's really um, got a heart for those children, being able to give back um, to these children something that she never had in her childhood um, through the grace of God. And I've seen in my church, God gave us promises that he'd bring revival into my town through this church. And it's been amazing to see just little pockets of where the Holy Spirit is setting fire to on people on fire for him and seeing some of the young people that I've mentored grow up and one in particular he went through a really difficult depressive time and was suicidal and I helped him through that quite a lot and he's now going on is is now training to be a pastor and it's just amazing to see how God's lifted him up from where he was and um, and taking him to new places and he's now he's also leading worship in the church and when I first went he could hardly play a few chords so it's just been amazing to see God moving and growing people and even the young people in the groups that we're working with one group in particular was really difficult and there was a lot of children with um, who were really just neglected actually their parents are not educated they're not um, shown how to pass on love to the next generation and uh, when we first started going to the group there, there was a lot of teenagers and they were really difficult and they were um, just talking all the time and shouting and being rude and, and they'd pour water on the... It was like a marble entrance to the church and they poured water on the floor when it was really cold outside so it all iced over so that we'd slip and fall and just monkeying around and things like that. Um, but actually we just loved them and just showed God's love for them and it was amazing to see that actually they began to open up about the hurts in their lives the things that were difficult the things that um they they found and actually the the sort of the next generation the thing that I would say over Romania is that it's a very hopeless place people have this expression of that's life and it's just that there's nothing you can do about it you know I know I'll grow up and I can work hard at school but there's no point because I won't get a good job because there aren't any good jobs because the money won't be enough anyway um there's a sort of sense of hopelessness there's just no point in anything and um we've really prayed over our groups and over the children and our vision for them is that there'll be a generation that will raise up that will be different that will make a difference in Romania that won't give in anymore to the corruption and the bribery that is still very very much going on there that there'll be people who will um honor God in the way that they're living and even there it's amazing to see I'll just tell you one story of one young lad and he was one of the most difficult ones in this group I was telling you about and um, we prayed and prayed over him and his, his family was probably the poorest family that we work with and we'd give them clothes and shoes and um, food and so on and um, his mother was the only one in the village who offered us as a team somewhere to eat every week and we wanted to, to, to eat because we'd gone all day and we'd not had anything to eat and she insisted we go to eat and one week we said well it's too much we know that when we eat there they don't have anything to eat the rest of the week 
And so we didn't go. And the next week, this particular young lad, the eldest one of the family, was very difficult with us. And we sort of, what's going on here? And it turned out his mother had thought it was his fault that we'd not gone because he'd not behaved himself and she'd given him a good beating and, and so on. But he's, um, we've prayed a lot for them as a family for him. And he got into the junior football team and was started training. And it's been amazing to see God's really turned his life around from a young lad who really didn't have any hope, didn't have anywhere to go, anywhere to grow up to. And uh, the football has given him a real discipline in life and he stopped smoking and drinking and he's got a new group of friends. And uh, this year he came with us as a junior leader in camp and did the sports and things with the children. And it's just amazing to see God working. And Really, I just want to encourage you. I know that for you, probably, it's a very long way away, Romania and the whole missions thing. But I want to encourage you because I know that on the island, although it appears lovely, that I'm sure you're not immune to difficulties and problems. And I'm sure that there's heartaches and hurts that are going on in this island. But what I want to encourage you is that prayer really does change things. That God really does make a difference. And actually, if we just stand by and think, there's nothing we can do, then it will stay like that. But actually, if we get into the heart of God, if we actually pray for hope and for for situations to change, I can promise you that God really does change things. And one of the stories that's um, been close to my heart over the last few years is the story of Jacob when he wrestles with God and he says, I will not let go until you bless me. And I think sometimes we pray and we pray and we pray and we don't see answers and we give up and we get disappointed. And I want to encourage you in whatever situations you are facing here with your families or friends or people here, that God can change that. And don't stop praying. Don't stop interceding because he can and he will make a difference. So God bless you and thanks very much for having me. I'm sorry. I forgot to say, if you'd like a little prayer card, then I have got someone I can give to you afterwards. First of all, I'd like to thank everybody for the prayers that you said for our little grandson, Jack. He had a lot of problems over the last... Hey, uh, no, Joshua, uh, Joshua chapter 14. I want to kind of finish Joshua off today. Not finish him off, but finish the book off. Uh, I want to talk about Caleb. Isn't that amazing? I want to talk about Caleb today. So if you've got Bibles, Joshua 14. I want to talk about the spirit of Caleb. And I love Caleb because he's just one of these amazing guys because... Not only does he kind of start off well, but he finishes well. And you'll find a lot of people in the Bible that start off amazingly, start off well with all the right intentions, do amazing things. And often the tragedy is not how they started, but how they finished. And that is so many great men started off so well, but in the end somehow lost it and ended in failure. But Caleb's one of these guys who started off well... And the good news is he finished well as well, so that's cool, isn't it? Okay, uh, Josh, uh, num- where am I? Uh, Joshua chapter 14. Uh, just, we're going to read from probably verse 9. Now, I'm going to read some different interesting words. If I pronounce them wrong, then I'm sure you can do all right afterwards. So I'm just going to go for it. So, uh, so verse 8. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made me the heart of the people mouth. But I wholly follow the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Shew the land where your, your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke his word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now here I am this day, 85 years of age, the youngest, isn't he, Laurie? <laughs> and as yet I am strong this day as in the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now, now therefore give me this mountain which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how Anakim were there and the cities were great and fortified. It may be the Lord will be with me and I will be able to drive them out as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephron, as an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephron, the Kesinite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. 
Okay, if we turn to, to, to Numbers 14, just one verse there. And I kind of like this because it really, really describes uh, beautifully what I want to get over this morning. Uh, Numbers 14 and verse 24. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring him into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit. I'm sure you remember the story of Caleb. There was 12 spies from a sent into the land. Uh, ten of them came back with a kind of pretty negative report. Two of them, Caleb and Joshua, came back, even though they saw the same thing. Yet the Bible says they had a different spirit. Twelve, ten of them said, we can't do it. We, can, we see the land, we see the promises of God, we see the land is amazing and awesome, and all that God said it was, but we also see the obstacles, we see the giants. Caleb and Joshua saw the same thing, but said, God is able. I love it. Ten said, God is God. We can't do it. Two said, get these words, God is able. I love what someone said about this. They said this, that the people saw great giants, but Caleb saw a great God. How many love that? That's awesome. You know, the people saw great giants, but Caleb saw a great God. And I just love Caleb because of the spirit. He says, okay, there's obstacles there, there's giants there, there's problems there, but we are able because we've got a great God. Can you say amen? We've got this great God who's able to take the land. And I just love this verse which says, he says, but, but Caleb had a different Spirit. You think about it. Two people out of thousands and thousands and thousands believe God. And here's, I suppose, the point I want you to get a hold of. I found this, you know, I love reading about revivals, I love reading about moves of God, and I've discovered this. All the moves of God, and all the revivals, here's the key. It doesn't take a multitude to see a move of God. It just takes people who have a different spirit. And I challenge myself as I challenge you. Have you a different spirit? That's the key. Have we a different spirit? Is there something about us that is different to everyone else? A different vision. A different attitude. A different heart. A person of a different, if you like, a faith. Are we going to be those different people? Or are we going to kind of follow and be like everyone else because God's looking for just a... And it doesn't take a multitude, but just a group of people, people who rise up and who are going to believe God for a mighty move of the Spirit. I say, for it just looks to those who have a different spirit. So we're not going to just live an average Christian life. We're not just going to be average. We're not just going to kind of settle but something in us says we're going to be like Caleb who had a what? Different spirit. And I just think that if that gets a hold of us that we become say, you know what God I don't want to just live an average Christian life. I don't want to be average. I don't want to settle. I don't want to be comfortable. But I really want to make that difference. I want to be like Caleb who had a different spirit. I love it. And I thought there's four things about a Caleb spirit that I just want us to look at this morning. Four things about a Caleb spirit that I think is just so powerful. Here's the first thing. He hung on to the promises of God. I love it. For 45 years, he hung on to the promises of God. And often we're like this, you know, I've been believing for 27 minutes and nothing's happened yet. <laughs> right, you know, I, I've, I've been believing for 10 minutes, why hasn't it happened yet? Caleb, we're told, hold on, held on, held on to the promise of God for 45 years. And I think this is a massive problem because often we live in a society that wants things now. 
And the danger is that we can come into a kind of a microwave Christianity. Caleb stood for 45 years. Often, that which comes good doesn't always happen immediately. Have you found that? Some of the greatest promises, some of the greatest breakthroughs in your life often have taken time for that to happen. Is that right? Some of the things that mean most to you, some of the things that have been a blessing to you, often have been the things that sometimes you just have to hold on to. And there's something about being a person that holds on to the promises of God and is not going to let go no matter what. Can you say amen? And I think the key really to Caleb is this. If you, really, if you read that, certainly if you it, it speaks time and time again that Caleb held on to his inheritance. He believed the inheritance that God had given to him. I think more and more that we've got to know the inheritance that we have in God. Hosea says, My people perish through lack of of knowledge. They don't know their inheritance. They don't know what really belongs to them. And if we're to have that Caleb spirit, if we're to hold on to the promises of God, we've really got to know what God's made available to us. I love the story of two ladies. It was in Eastern Europe, actually. I don't know where it was, Romania, somewhere in Eastern Europe. And they knew that they were going to a meeting, and in those days, if you said you were going to a church meeting, you'd be arrested. So this is what they said. They said, we are going to hear the reading of our will. And they were, because they were going, that's God's, that's our will. That's what God has left us as our inheritance. Every word, every promise in that book is our inheritance. But how can you claim your inheritance if you don't know what's in your inheritance? I think it's a very old film. Wizard of Oz. I think it was kind of made in 1930s, very old one. And part of that is that she has these, remember she has these red ruby shoes. And she wants to get back home to Kansas from Mars, wherever it was, and she wants to get back. And she has these red shoes. And all through it, she's walking around with these red shoes. And when she finds out how to get back there, she already had the answer, because remember it was like she had to click her shoes? And she clicked her red shoes, and she got transported back to Kansas, if you like. She already had the shoes, but she didn't know what those shoes could do. Often, I don't think we fully grasp what God has made available to us. That's why Paul prays. I pray that your eyes will be open. That you'd know the power that's been made available to you. Your eyes will be open to see the immeasurable power of God that's there. So I pray that your eyes will be open to know the call that God has got on your life. He says, I pray that you would know your inheritance in Christ Jesus. That your eyes will be open to see the amazing promises, the amazing inheritance that God has been made available to you. Another story of this guy, he's on a ship, and he, he sold all that he had, it was during the days where people were kind of immigrating to America, and he sold everything he had to buy two tickets to get to America. And so he's on the ship, but he realises he's got no money. And so for all the journey, he eats crackers. Cheese and crackers, that's all he has. So they heat that for, for all the weeks it takes for them to get to the US. And on the last day, they think, you know what? We've just got a bit of money left. Let's absolutely go, man. Let's, let's have a decent meal on our last day there. And so when they get there, they say, where have you been these two weeks? Or wherever it was. And he says, well, you know, we haven't been able to afford anything else except for today. He says, don't you realise that when you paid for the trip, all the money, all the food was included in the tickets? Often in the things of God, we are living at a, such a low level compared to what God has made available to us. And God wants us today to be able to cater spirit and say, God, I want to come into every promise, every inheritance that you've made available to me. And I'm going to stand and believe what you've made 
available to me. I think sometimes to hold on to the promise of God means this. That you don't follow your circumstances. You don't follow your feelings. But you follow what God has said. And that's something so powerful. Just to live your life believing and trusting what God has said. I think it's in the book of Hebrews. It says, holding fast the good confession. Now I know often confessions are a bit of a, a kind of nag- a negative sort of strip over there. But you know what? It's still a biblical truth. Whether people have uh, you know, misused it. But the truth is, confession is a vital thing for your Christian life. In fact, another word what I like is, is declaration. Declaring what God has said. Not what your circumstances tell you, not what your feelings tell you, but you are confessing and declaring what God has said. And that word confession means to say it as it is. Has anyone ever said that to you? Say it as it is, brother. Say it as it is. Well, that's what God says. Say it as it is. Not what your feelings say it is. Not what your circumstances say it is. But what does God say it is? He says that he's going to lead you. He's going to guide you. Maybe today you feel weak. But he says, my glorious power will, be, will strengthen you. Maybe you feel everything's against you. But God has said, I am for you, not against you. And so it's learning to say, Lord, I'm going to say it, not what my feelings say, not my circumstances, but I'm going to say it as you say. And that's what, really, that's what Caleb did. He didn't say what his feelings told him. He didn't say what his circumstances told him. He says, this is what God's saying about it. This is my mountain. Because God said, this is my mountain. There's a second thing about Caleb. And I like this. He wholly followed the Lord. Isn't that awesome? That's what he says. A few times in that chapter he says, Caleb wholly followed the Lord. Not partly. Not just by a little bit. He followed the Lord completely and totally with all his heart. And I think the essence of Christianity is this. Just two words. Jesus sums up what it is, the essence of Christianity. He says, follow me. Follow me. Following Jesus is not just a set of beliefs or doctrines. It's following a person. It's entering and developing relationship. When Jesus comes to Matthew, he just says these words to him. He says, follow me, and he says, he arose and followed him. Actually, in the Greek, it actually means this. It means, come on a journey with me. And the idea of following Jesus is this, that you are going on a life journey with Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? And you're following him on life's journey. Because I think the thing about Jesus is that you're asking him into every sphere of your life. And you begin to walk with him. You begin to have him be part of every part of your life. In fact, the word follow actually means to follow on a road as a companion. It means that we enter into another person's world and journey with them. And Jesus is saying, I want to enter into your world and I want you to journey with me. I want you to learn to see things as I see things. I want you to learn to love things as I love things. We're on this journey together. We're companions together. We're walking through life together. And I want you now to just to, to go and to follow me. You know what the powerful thing about Christianity is this? That the way we model our life is not really on people. It's not even on church. The way we model our life is modeling our life on who? Jesus. So I do what Jesus does. I speak and converse the way Jesus speaks. I love the way Jesus loves. I do the things that he does because he's my model. He's the way I live my life. He's the way I... Because I, who am I following? I'm following Jesus. And if I'm following Jesus, then I become like Jesus. And I love this thought that Jesus 
is interested in every detail, every sphere of your life. And really the goal of the Christian life is to not let there be any wars, any barriers between you and Jesus. Because you can't follow him if you've got wars and barriers between you and him. So you need to, you need to continually remove the wars and the barriers and walk with him continually. Day to day in constant connection with Jesus. In the car, I'm talking to Jesus. When I'm walking, I'm talking to Jesus. Every moment I'm seeking to converse and make sure I'm connected to Jesus. If you abide in me, then what? My word abides in you. I'm abiding. I'm connecting myself on a daily, continual basis to who? Jesus. And I love this thing. These interests in every detail of my life. One of the stories we heard at the conference, one of these stories that kind of messed me up really, it was just an amazing story. And Heidi Baker tells a story, I think I shared it on the, with the Monday prayer meeting. And she has got these orphans. If you know anything about Heidi Baker, she's in Mozambique and she does an amazing work, doing all kinds of miracles, signs and wonders. How they evangelize the village is this. They go into the village and say, is anyone dead? And the first thing they do is raise the dead. Or they heal the blind or heal the deaf. They, that's the way they kind of evangelize these villages. And she tells an amazing story. That she gets these, she's in the office, she's got these, these young girls there. And it's Christmas time, and remember that it's Christmas time, they've got this, this sack of stuffed toys, these stuffed toys. And she doesn't want to give them stuffed toys, she wants to give them something special. So she says to this girl, or one of the girls, she says, what would you like? What would you like above all else? And she says, I would love beads. And there's the incredible story. She puts her hand into the black bag, and she pulls out beads. Isn't that awesome? To think that God loved this desire that this little girl wanted beads. So God performs a miracle and changes stuffed toys into beads. Because he's interested in every detail of your life. That's what it means to follow Jesus. You're following him. And as you follow him, he's interested in every sphere, every detail of your life. You're sharing life together. Can you say amen? And Jesus puts it this way. If you follow me, then take up your cross. If we're to fully follow Jesus, sometimes there's things that we need to die to. There's things that we need to deal with. Things that we need to put to death in us. Why? Because we're committed to following Jesus. And so things that are opposed to his will and purpose for our life, we're willing to die to it. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's difficult. But we want to follow who? Jesus. And so because we want to follow Jesus, there's a cost involved and there's certain things that we need to deal with because they are opposed to the will of Father for our lives. And so we die to those things because we are determined and we are focused on wholly following Jesus. Let me just show you one verse. This kind of struck me about Caleb, connected to this. Joshua 15. Do you know one thing about, if you ever read through the book of Joshua, and I encourage you to do it, but the one thing about Joshua is this, or so the one thing about Caleb is this. He was the only person who totally defeated and removed all the enemies from the land. Every other one, every other tribe did not fully remove the problems. They partly defeated them. And some of those tribes, some of those problems continued to exist. And because they didn't fully deal with them, in the end, those are the things that later on through the book of Judges began to defeat Israel. And the very things we don't deal with and put to death in us, sometimes are the very things that are eventually beginning to take over us and, de- and, de- and defeat us. But I love what it says here in Joshua 15. I think it's verse 14. It says... Caleb drove out the three sons of Anak from Shisha, remember I said about the names, Ashman, Talamar, the children of Anak. Those are the three giants that control that land. And Caleb is the only one 
who totally defeated all the enemies that he had. This is why I believe he did that. You know why he did that? Remember, how old is he? He's 80, 80, 85. Was it 85 yet? 85. Wow. And here's the point. How did he do that? Where did he get his strength from? Where did he get his ability from? Where did he, where did he get all that stuff to do it? I'll tell you one simple phrase. Because he wholly followed the Lord. Because he wholly followed the Lord, God gave him a strength. God gave him ability. God gave him power. You think about it. What does disobedience do in our lives? It weakens us. It robs us of the power. It robs us of the anointing that God wants to give us. And if we're to be victorious in our life, it's down to one simple thing. That we wholly follow the Lord. How many would love that to be said over your life? That person wholly followed the Lord. Wow. I want that. How many want that over your life? But that's the testimony of you. Maybe you, you want a great name or somebody, you, you know, the whole world knows about you. But as far as God is concerned, when he looks at your life, there's a person who wholly followed the Lord. And out of that comes the blessings. Out of that comes the favor. Out of that comes the anointing. Out of that comes the strength and the power. And that was the second key to Caleb. The holy followed the Lord. Here's the third thing, and I kind of like this a little bit. You know what the, you know what the name Caleb means, incidentally? And I'm going to touch on this in a minute. It's got lots of connotations to the name, but the actual name means dog. <laughs> Me and dogs. <laughs> because there's a lot of things about a dog that are good things. Now, I've got a dog, okay? So a, and that dog's embarrassed me over many years. I think of many years I've, we've had all kinds of embarrassments. I remember once, we're actually in the woods, and there's actually been filmed. There's a film set going on. They're filming. BBC were filming. And she sees a bike. Now, she doesn't like bikes. If she sees bikes, she chases after bikes. That's the sort of thing she does. And she saw the bike. So it, you imagine they're filming a TV series and my, this dog, our dog, I don't call it my dog, it's their dog, uh, <laughs> runs, after this, runs after this bike in the middle of filming, chases after this bike, and we have to apologise, it's very embarrassing. I remember once or so we were there, and I remember picking a, a stick up. Shouldn't do this for dogs, but I picked a stick up, and I wanted to throw it. As I threw it, I'd left my car keys on that wood, and all I could see was these car keys, I'd disappear in all these leaves. So I think of all kinds of stories, but... There are certain characteristics about a dog that God wants to instill in us. And I'm just thinking, some of, the, some of the things about a dog. Here's the first thing about a dog. You know, a dog doesn't rely on its eyes. The Bible says we don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. And a dog has this incredible ability. You know what, this, I don't know if it's true, but they can actually smell human scent as something like... A, a thousand meters away, something crazy like that. They've got the ability. They, they, they follow the scent. They've got scent. And they don't follow what they see. In fact, they, they follow, the, first of all, the scent, then they follow what they hear. They've got good hearing. Then eventually they follow their eyes. And almost we've got to develop that ability not to walk by what we see, but learn to walk by the Word of God. There's two things that we need to develop, really. The spiritual senses of the believer are the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. And when you combine the ability to walk by the Word and walk in the Spirit, you're developing spiritual senses. And that's the way you and I are called to live our life, not by what we see. Isn't it amazing that we miss so much of what God has for us because we're so focused on what we see. And we are never called at all to live our life by what we see. We're called to live by what God says, His Word. And to follow the leading and the directing of the Spirit. And I just think today that you think, I was just thinking of those spies. Why did they miss it? They saw the same things as Joshua and Caleb. You know what it was about? It was about their perspective. They had a wrong perspective. But Caleb's perspective was this is what God has said and I Believe what he has said. You know what the danger is sometimes? In other words, they based what they saw on their experience. I think the biggest issue often is that we allow our belief system to be affected by our experience. 
that what we experience sometimes can actually cause that to be what we believe. I believe it because that's my experience. And I think what God wants us to do is this. That we don't bring his word down to our experience. We take our experience up to his word. That's the difference. Because experience sometimes can contradict the word of God. Let me put it this way to you. You know why I believe in healing? I believe in healing not because I've seen healings, and I have. Not because I've experienced healing, and I have. I believe in healing because God says healing is available. I believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you why I do. Not because experience, and I've experienced it, and it's wonderful and amazing, but because I believe, Jesus says, you shall receive power from on high. I think we've got to learn to say, Lord, my experience says this, but I'm going to believe what your word says. Now, found this. If you believe the word, then your experience will begin to match the word. Your experience will begin to follow the word rather than follow your experience, which often take you contrary to what the word says. And a dog our spiritual senses. And this is what we're doing. We begin to develop our spiritual senses. We develop spiritual senses by continually obeying the word and following the promptings of the Holy Spirit. You follow where the spot the Spirit is. And you notice, it's not always the big things. It begins with small things. God might say to you, bless someone. In a small way, you're doing that. Bless the pastor with 500 pounds. Also, I know something like that. I'm just giving you an example. <laughs> You know, I'm just, I'm, I'll just give you an example. And <laughs> sowing seeds right there, sowing thoughts. <laughs> Putting a little thought in your mind now, these little seeds in your mind. Uh, but you know what I mean? It's, it's obeying God in those things, and the more you obey Him in small things, the more you begin to develop spiritual sensitivity. Because then God begins to cause it to grow in greater things. If we can't obey Him in the small things, then He's not going to lead us into bigger things. Can you say amen? But here's the thing with Caleb. He walked not by sight. He walked by the word. Here's the next thing. I'm almost there for a dog. So dogs don't have sense. Here's the next thing. And I like this. And I found this very true for our own dog. Dogs are marked by stubborn determination. <laughs> you know. Uh, this is a dogged faith that, that, that he had. I just love this. After 45 years, he says, you know, after... I am determined to come into the promises of God. He says, I don't care how long it takes, I'm not going to let go of that promise. And sometimes, you know, faith doesn't just, faith needs something to connect with it, and it needs patience. Faith and patience go together. And sometimes you've got to say, God, I don't care how long it takes, I believe you've spoken your word, and I'm not going to let go of it. I've got a dogged determination to hold on until it comes to pass. Do I see the manifestation? Can you say amen? See, one thing God's interested in, I'll tell you what he's interested in, is character. He wants to develop our characters. For the trials, for the things we go through in life, that is the way God begins to form character. And character doesn't take an instant thing. It's a development. Because God's more interested in our character than actually is our gifts. And so all kinds of things that are allowed to touch our lives are there where God is moulding our character so we can be the people he wants us to be. Let me close with this. There's nothing more I could say about that, but I just want to get to this last one. I love the fact that Caleb came into his reward. I love it. He says, give me this mountain. And God Gave him a mountain. Isn't that awesome? Gave him a, in fact, he gave him a city, Hebron. Wow. He came into his reward. And he's going to see something. I think as Christians, we don't almost kind of lose the sight that actually there are rewards. Don't we realize there's rewards? The Bible is full of teaching on rewards. Rewards. But God wants to reward us. In it maybe sometimes we struggle with that area. For example... Sometimes people struggle with compliments. Do you struggle when someone gives you a compliment? I, I know 
I used to kind of struggle with compliments. I'd always kind of change the subject. And I really struggle with kind of receiving compliments. Now I'm all for it. <laughs> uh, so, pile it on. <laughs> but the point is that often, that we, because we kind of think that we don't want to receive kind of this idea of rewards. I mean, in fact, I heard a very funny story where someone was preaching and someone said, that was absolutely amazing. And he'd done the result, the mo- that often is the big result. It wasn't me, it was the Lord. And someone said to me, it wasn't that good. Uh, uh, and there's the point. See today that God is a God of rewards. He says, if you give a cup of water in my name, I will, what? Reward it. What you sow, you shall reap. And that's not a negative thing. Many times that's a positive thing. There are continual rewards. Smith Wigglesworth said something that just kind of, it kind of blew my mind when I thought about it. And he spoke about this. You see, in the Bible, he says that, he says that, hey, that there's going to be a burning takes place, and all there is hay and stubble, all the works that God, that didn't come from God, would just be burnt up. And so all that's going to be left is gold. He says in Corinthians that hay stubble is burnt up, and what were left in gold? And this is what he said that kind of blew my mind. He says, the gold that is left is the very gold that God uses to make his crown, to put on your head. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> That's the crown that God uses to place upon your head. And I just want to get a hold of this. That he came in to his reward. I wonder today, if I close, what's your mountain? I think a mountain represents a dream. What's your dream? What does God stir in your heart? What moves you? What, what, what saturates your heart with joy? The very thought of it. Because I believe God wants to give every single person an amazing dream. And that dream is your mountain. And that's the mountain that God wants you to come into. The dream that he's placed on your life. That which is bigger than you. And in order to have and get our dream, we have to develop a cave Lib spirit. Let me close with one verse. Look at verse 19. Here's his daughter. He's taken Hebron, he's taken the land, moved the enemies, and I love this, verse 19. She answered, Give me a blessing. Since you've given me a land in the south, I love this. Give me also springs of water. So he gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. See, I think I love about Caleb was he lived a passionate life for God. And when he said, give me this mountain, the place he asked for was the most difficult place of all to take. He asked what was most difficult. But here's the point. As he took that land... As he received the blessing that God gave to him, he received it so he could be a blessing to somebody else. And the mountains that God wants us to kind of enter into and receive are the things that we are blessed so that we might be a blessing. And the blessing really, he speaks of springs. In other words, the overflow the overflow of his life. He was somebody who opened springs. Something in him flowed out of him. And what flowed out of him, the springs that he opened, he was able to give to somebody else. And God wants to open these incredible springs of water in us, not just for us, but so we can be a blessing to somebody else. He wants the rivers, the the, the things of the Spirit of God, the blessings of God to be upon us. He wants us to be people who who receive the mountains and the dreams. Because those dreams aren't necessarily just for us. They're there to impact and influence and be a blessing to others. Let's just stand, shall we, right now in these moments. I want you to just, as I, cl- I want you to see this thing right now in these moments. Think of the mountain. Think of the dream. What God's given you right now. 
It could be a thousand and one things. But there's something that's in you. Here's I want you to ask this question right now. If that, fear, if that fear was not in your life, if that issue was not in your life, if that pain was not in your life, that thing that you're struggling with wasn't in your life, how different right now would your life be? How much of that dream would you enter into if that fear wasn't there? How different would you be right now if that wasn't there in your life? Paul says, even now, the axe is laid to the root. And God wants to just put his axe to those things that stop us from taking our mountains. From those things that stop us. From those things that hold us back. The mountain is there. And he wants to cut us loose from everything that stops us entering into that mountain. Just these few moments, just worship the Lord right now. Say, Lord, today, I want my mountain. I want that promise, that dream. Give me that Caleb spirit. Give me a Caleb spirit. Help nothing to hold me back from all that you've called me to enter into. Someone said this, I despaired of the thought that my life might slip by without seeing God show himself mighty on my behalf. We want God to have, we want God to be mighty in every area of our life right now. And maybe you're here this morning and you need prayer for you. Maybe there's something holding you back from coming into your mountain, from entering into your dream, some promise that God's laid in your heart. And we just love to pray for people today. Have any... Any obstacle, anything you say, I, I just need prayer over this. I, I want my mountain, I want my dream, I want to come into the fullness of what God has for me. But there's this thing that's holding me back, tying me back. And I just feel today God wants to kind of cut us loose, put his axe to the root of those things. Once and for all, you're going to deal with it. Once and for all, you're going to put the axe to the root and come into the fullness of his promise for your life. And it's a wonderful life, a life of joy, of fulfillment. Maybe you've had dreams that something's come and totally knocked you off course and stolen from you those things. He wants to restore the, he wants to restore the years. The enemy has stolen. The locusts have stolen. God has the ability to restore even wasted years in a moment. He can accelerate things. So if that's you right now in this moment, just as we worship the Lord, if you need prayer over that today, we would so love to pray for you. Or if you need prayer for anything else today, we just want to close. We just love to pray for you in those things right now. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Elam Church. For more downloads, information, or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk.